0: Hello and welcome back to the Buckeye 50 podcast. It's been a bizarre, stressful, uh, but for sure entertaining season after the Buckeyes were able to kick off on October 24th and have made their way back into the playoff, not only taking down Clemson in the semifinal, but now facing a matchup against Alabama for the national championship game. I think if you were to ask us at the beginning of 2020 what type of matchups we could have seen for this college football season, and I think a lot of people would have expected Ohio State and Alabama as one of the favorable matchups, but definitely both teams have had different journeys to get to this point. So we're excited to be back. We're excited to be talking with you, uh, especially with this opportunity for Ohio State to get and earn its second college football playoff national championship and its ninth overall. And we want to also break down some topics around the game, the matchup, as well as kind of breaking down the Clemson game as well. Um, especially with what that meant for this team. uh, with everything that happened last year for last season, um, how that game ended and just to get that emphatic win, and the way they did it, the way they handled the line of scrimmage, it it was just something that was fantastic to see, and definitely gives Buckeye fans a lot of momentum going into this championship game. Uh, this is Josh Watson. Along with me is Greg.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, it's a, I'm excited to be here, and as I'm sure most Buckeye fans, you know, are feeling. I think this was, as Josh said, a uh, an interesting road to get to where we are today. But um, regardless of, you know, what uh, Dabo felt about uh, whether we deserve to be there or not, bottom line was, uh, the, you know, Ohio State did not control any of this situation. They they were not the ones that, were, that had canceled the season originally. In fact, between them and Nebraska, they were two of the bigger um, university students Trying to get the season renewed again, and so and and, you know during the season Maryland canceled the game. Obviously, Michigan canceled a game. You know so and Ohio State was more than willing to schedule alternatives in those time windows, uh, but it wasn't anything that necessarily the the conference allowed. So I think that um, you know Ohio State and its team and its coaches and its support staff, you know, should be very very proud and very very excited. Uh, for what they've accomplished to get to this point, um, and but as um, a lot of the fans had hoped for, uh, when we were thinking about, you know, the two thousand twenty season back after the uh, playoff loss last year, you know, I think you couldn't have asked for a better situation. One, you win the Big Ten. Two, you got an opportunity for a rematch against. Clemson to perhaps, you know, show that, uh, that, you know, again, that you were the better team and three, be able to play, you know, a team in the championship game, you know, that is certainly worthy of this game. And that's not to say that that hasn't always happened, but um, I think if you look particularly in the pre uh, playoff era, you know, the BCS era and beyond, you know, there were years where um, you know teams that will not be mentioned, in Notre Dame, that um, you know perhaps were playing because they kind of backed in because of a uh, you know an unbeaten season or uh, some other you know situation, but they wouldn't have necessarily you know been the best team. You know, if you if you're thinking about putting two best teams in, but I really think this year, uh, as as much as I thought the playoff committee was wrong, and I mean very, very wrong about their top 25. I think they probably had the top three teams right and maybe the top four. I don't Notre Dame is, to me, again, very hard to tell. You know, were they, you know, worthy of, of that? Or was there another team? Oklahoma maybe was playing better. Uh, perhaps. I, in, in my mind, Texas A&M had their chance. Uh, certainly Florida had their chance and they didn't deserve to be there. You know, you could have made a case after a while there, um, you know, for Iowa State had they won, Uh, but uh, you know, with Oklahoma coming out of that, I think they probably would have been a team that perhaps could have cracked the top four. Uh, They would just would have been unprecedented, you know, um, based on history, to have a team in the playoffs with two losses. So they didn't cover that threshold. They got a they got a team in with only six wins this year, but but they haven't yet had a team with two losses. So but I think we're all excited about the game coming up this Monday night. And so we're looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. And, and I, th- I think you hit on a lot of good points there, especially with uh, the committee and the playoff rankings and, and everything around that. I, I, I think a lot of fans outside of Ohio state were also disappointed in the rankings because of Ohio state. I mean, when Ohio state started their season, A lot of teams were five, six games already into their schedule. And then Ohio State plays two games, and they're all of a sudden in the top four. I mean, they were top four up until essentially um, the last week and the last final rankings where they were able to move up to the third spot uh, after Clemson had avenged its loss from uh, Notre Dame in November. And I think that's been something that's really fueled the Buckeyes this season. And and as, as hard as it is to say... Um, objectively, you know, I, I really honestly think Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country, obviously talent-wise. They might not have always shown it on the field, especially when you're looking at that defense that they've they've put up. Um, and then comparing it to last year's team, which I think their defense this year um, is much worse than their defense was last year. And we were able to to get that win over Clemson this year in, in a big way, and, and I don't think Clemson was too far behind of where they're at. Uh, Their offensive line obviously was their big liability. But honestly, I mean, we we were able to see Ohio State, who was the better team last year and the better team this year, make a statement um, and were just able to finish drives. I I think that was the biggest takeaway I saw um, from this team, that they were able to finish the drives against Clemson and not have to settle for field goals near the red zone. Um, and, and, and I think that the team for Ohio State last year would have matched up better with LSU. But they never got that opportunity, and they had to wait for their opportunity this year. And as much as you know, fans want to think that Ohio State is better rested because of their schedule, I'd make the argument, and I know Coach Day has made the argument, that you know it's not an advantage to them that they've played fewer games. We're starting to finally see what the potential of this Buckeye team is, and they went and scored... 49 points over Clemson who is one of the favorite teams in preseason number one all the way through the start of the season so I, I really think people are really starting to see a Buckeye team that's hitting its stride at the right time I just wish we had a much more complete season to be able to see that and I think we would have been able to had we been able to play those games against Maryland and Illinois and Michigan that were ultimately canceled because of COVID reasons.
1: Yeah, I think I think that you um, you clearly saw Ohio State's best game, you know, in the Sugar Bowl. So that, I think there's no question about that. And I honestly think, just my opinion, is that the the lack of a complete schedule is a disadvantage for Ohio State, not an advantage. Because during the season, you I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, you know those cliches that you know you make some of your best improvement between week one and week two. Well. You know, really, you're proving every week. You're, you're seeing what what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, you'll have a team that maybe exposes something that, you know, they have noticed on film. And then you have, the you know, the rest of the, you know, your next game to correct that. Well, Ohio State really didn't have that, partly because of the lack of games. And, quite frankly, you know, partly because of the quality of competition that they played. I mean, their, their, their opponents' records were not that strong. You know, even though, you know, they played just Big Ten schools and Big Ten didn't have a full schedule. But, you know, they, they had a very good game against Northwestern. And I think in the bowl game, Northwestern showed, you know, that they are a very strong national team. I mean, they're not at the top 40, but they're they're very – they're clearly a top 10 team, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I you know, they, and that was a very good win. But, I mean, beating Penn State was not the same as beating Penn State before. And um, I think if Ohio State had had the opportunity to play Michigan, they probably would have had a very, very convincing win in that one as well. But again, Michigan wasn't, you know, the Michigan blue blood school, you know, of history long gone. They are not the team that has the most wins in in the country, you know, nationally, you know, historically. You know, that is just not the team that they are right now. And but, you know, so they didn't really get it to show it against quality opponents. Now, at the same time, maybe and bleeding into a little bit of the you know dialogue of the Clemson game. I'm not so sure we got to see, you know, how strong Clemson might have been just going through the regular season, too. And the, and the reason that I say that is, as people that follow college football know, the ACC went 0-6 in the in the bowl games so i don't know when you look at the clemson overall schedule what was their big win what was their quality win this year i mean it may have been it has to be the notre dame game because that was the best team they played but that's also a team that they lost to as well so you know that you know they're you know miami you know they lost in their bowl game and they were considered a top 10 team north carolina kept getting ranked even though they had two and three losses during the regular season and and then they lost in their bowl game, you know, and obviously Notre Dame and Clemson lost in their bowl game. North Carolina State lost in their bowl game. So, you know, the ACC clearly did not, you know, show me at least through the bowl games, and and these were some, you know, pretty good opponents they were playing. It wasn't – I was concerned this year with bowl games and the the way that 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 was working out, that you would have some really, really poor matchups. But, you know, enough bowl games were canceled and enough of those – you know, lesser teams, if you will, or opting out, you know. So, you know, I think you really had a lot of good, you know, quality bowl games against some good deserving teams, you know. But I think in the end, I think that the the cream has risen to the top. And I think, you know, I think the way I'm stating it, I think we wanted to end our um, podcast tonight looking at a prediction. And I'm telling you that I think if you know, Ohio State – And Alabama play to their potential in this game. You know, this could be a really, really fun and exciting ball game. One of the maybe the best, you know, type of games that we've seen in in this type of environment, you know, some type of championship. And in this case, the, you know, the national championship game. So not just a bowl championship or a conference championship. So I think that we're, I think we're all looking at, um, you know, potential for a really fun Monday night.
0: Yeah, and I definitely want to go. I mean, we're definitely going to go talk about the game because I mean that's that is so significant, especially with this season. Um, to the the fact that we were able to beat Clemson and the way we did, um, with everything that happened last year, and when when you alluded to like Dabo ranking them eleventh in this coaches poll, I mean there's just a lot of really bulletin board material that Clemson provided for the Buckeyes. Um, and, and a lot of that really has to do with, I think, Dabo just got too comfortable because he felt like the big cheese. And to his credit, yeah, he's, he's won two national championships um, and, and a, a convincing win in 2018 against uh, Alabama, who we thought was probably one of the best teams with Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. Uh, but they blew them out with a freshman quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. But then they proceeded the next year to get blown out by LSU. So I I really do think that Clemson uh, really had a lot of uh, weight because of how they've been able to succeed in the ACC, winning six straight ACC championships, and then also making it to six straight college football playoffs, essentially. Um, And and I think that's where their benchmark was. So even though that they had lost earlier to Notre Dame, there was a lot of those asterisks you could have seen with uh, Trevor Lawrence being out of that game. Um, and, and, and I think you're right. We might not have really seen Clemson at their best. Uh, and, and, and I think when you compare the ACC with other power conferences, they've definitely got to be at the bottom. Uh, I, I'd even say that the AAC is probably better than the ACC is. So, you know, it's, it was just big not only to finally beat Clemson after now five attempts um, after going 0-4 against them, and, and just the way fans uh, of Clemson really just kind of got to get their their licks in on Ohio State fans, and, and well-deservedly so, because we couldn't get that win over them, but now we do. Uh, and now we're competing to where I think we should have been competing for the years we didn't make the playoff. And I think Clemson was our biggest hurdle, not only because of their success – but I think they had the success that I think many Buckeye fans believed that we should have had after winning the first college football playoff.
1: Yeah, and I think um, Clemson has, you know, they're they're clearly been a good team. I mean, you know, a lot of it starts with the quarterback, you know, and and you go going from, you know, this decade, if you will, or the the decade we're just ending out of, uh, you know, with Taj Boyd, you know, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, they clearly had, you know, starting with the quarterback play, you know, some very powerful, uh, high-caliber, you know, quality players to bring them, you know, to this level. But at the same time, you know, the ACC's been down a little bit. So naturally, you are going to get to the, you know, the playoffs if you win your conference, usually, usually, especially if you're unbeaten. So, you know, it's kind of like Florida State in the 90s. You know, they were dominating that ACC because there just wasn't a lot of, you know, strong competitors at that time after Florida state joined the, the conference or, you know, early in the nineties. And, you know, and in some degree, Ohio state has afforded that as well. Um, I think during a lot of the years, the trestle years, you know, there were some teams down in the big 10 and Ohio state got to take advantage of that. And, um, you know, the, the, during, you know, urban's reign, uh, you know, you're talking about um, really, you know, since the 2011 season, there's only been a couple of games. State, I've, I guess I've in my head I'd have to probably calculate it out of maybe three or four losses they've had to Big Ten opponents. I mean they're just they've just dominated, you know this you know their conference play, you know for a long time, and that puts them in the position again to be in these playoffs. stuff. So. but I um, I do think that um, I wasn't 100 percent sure with the comment you made about was it Clemson's best team. Uh, I don't know if you were saying that, you know, historically if that was their best team or just if they put their best 2020 team on the field, you know, against Ohio State, because I thought they did. I mean, I thought I thought we got to see, you know, what was their best team, you know, minus the fact that, you know, they lost, you know, what was perhaps, you know, what you would might consider their quarterback of their defense um, when Slisky went down, you know, for the targeting call but um at the same time that's self-inflicted and and like the john wade hit of last season's game uh you know to me there i didn't think there was any question with that hit that that was targeting the only crime to that whole thing is that it wasn't called there was no flag originally on that one you know because that one was just so clear i mean uh you know uh justin was running you know pretty full speed for you know 10 15 yards and he was coming right at justin for at least you know, eight to ten yards. So it's just like two trains coming and colliding, and for him to hit him like that, direct with the helmet, that's just you know, there's no way that they could not call that target. So, but I think that um, you know, Ohio State, they they made some adjustments after the first couple of drives uh, for Clemson. You know, Clemson started out you know fast, if you want to say that. But when you look at the scope of the entire game, I think it was clear that. Ohio State dominated, and, uh, you know, the what limited listening I've done to, uh, you know, call-in shows and even some of the, you know, the media comments that I've read, I think everybody sees and everybody admits that, that Ohio State dominated that game. I mean, you look at, you know, Justin only had 28 passing attempts, where Trevor had 48 passing attempts, yet they had the same number of yards. You know, they had, you know, Justin had 385 yards, and I think, you know, Trevor had about 400, so... You know, that was just, you know, so and, but the bigger number, in spite of having, you know, almost 400 yards on uh, a passing for Ohio State, you know, they had well over 200 yards rushing and held Clemson to only 44 yards rushing. So that, you know, that, that to me just showed, you know, that clearly offensively, you know, Ohio State was the dominant team. And some of that might have been, you know, Cray, Sermon coming out you know, has coming out party in the in the Big Ten championship game and he's kind of stretched it. But really the last three games he's been solid. You know, we're you know, if he can keep that trend going for this game against Alabama, you know, I think we like Ohio State's chances because that, you know, that means ball control. That means that's opening up the passing lanes, you know, and it just keeps the quite frankly, it keeps, you know, the, the high caliber weapons that Alabama does have, you know, keeps them off the field as well. So but I think with the Clemson game I think you know Ohio State was you know dominant pretty much from start to finish. I think we saw the Ohio State's best game, and the other thing that might be you know you know we kind of forget is except with the exception of that Clemson game last year, which I think you know I think most people look at that game and say Ohio State was the better team on the field. You know did they take advantage of every single opportunity that they had? No. Did they allow Clemson to go down and score on their last possession? Yes. So you know if they if they stop even if they all the things that had happened even if they just stopped Clemson on the last drive you know they still win that game and as you said earlier Josh you know I think that we would have matched up very well against LSU and perhaps we'd be looking at you know back to back championship opportunities here but I think what we tend to overlook sometimes other than that Clemson game last year you know Ryan Day is undefeated as a coach so you know we're you know we're you know been fortunate enough as fans to be, you know, living in a time right now where, um, you know, this, the success of this program is
0: very much Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm, I'm you said some things here that actually is great tie-in here for our, our next conversation I want to bring up is, yeah, Trey Sermon has really been on a different level, uh, especially, really, I want to say, from the Michigan State game. I mean, he finally broke 100-yard game there, that one, um, after Teague had, for whatever reason, I felt like maybe he just – didn't have the hot hand that game or something but you know you had the Michigan State game where he was really dominant um, and then leading up to the Northwestern game where he broke Eddie George's record and then now in the Clemson game I think he had north of maybe 35 touches overall and uh, had over 230 total yards when you include his rushing total and his uh, his receiving total uh, which uh, part of that was 193 yards rushing I mean he He's definitely stepping into a role or a parallel that I think a lot of Buckeye fans are comparing this run to with the 2014-15 run uh, with Trey Sermon being Zeke Elliott. And and I, I think what we're going to see here is, is Clemson is a great team, but when you look at their recruiting classes, they just don't have the same talent that Ohio State does, and I think that really started on the national level with Urban when he came in and Ryan Day is continuing to uh, build on that. And especially with this 2020 class we just signed in 2021 that's coming up. I mean, we ha- if you're going to buy stock in a football team, Ohio State is it. But we can't ignore the fact that Alabama is up there too. I mean, when you look at five stars between these two teams that are about to match up, there's no team in the country or no two other teams in the country that have as much talent that's going to be on this field on Monday than Ohio State and Alabama. And I think that's really exciting. Um, and, and what you had said earlier is, you know, if both of these teams play to their potential, this will be a great game and I think a fantastic game. And I think it will all come down to matchups and position battles. So um, I want to I ask you this question, um, if you want to look at it this way or want to break it down with me. Um, I, I have listed the position groups um, for like QB... Uh, running back, wide receiver, O line, tight end, defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks, and then special teams as its own group. Just comparing, you know, looking at this matchup with Alabama, who has the edge? Um, because really, this is a, this is a matter of talent, um, and talent is all over the field for both sides. So it's it's going to be which position battle has the edge? I think. Um, and I'm going to start with quarterback. Who who do you think has the quarterback edge? In this matchup,
1: well, I would. Um, I know we haven't really heard exactly the extent of Justin's injuries. Uh, clearly, he's not going to be, you know, in you know, pain-free and one hundred percent. However, you know, and I know he was playing on adrenaline, you know, you know, in the Sugar Bowl. But you know, he took that hit early in the game and still went on to, you know, you know, pass for you know, probably two thirds of his yardage you know, in completions after the injury, you know, so it was, he was able to perform, you know, the same day as the injury. I am sure that they got him in the, you know, the proper conditioning, everything. They'll have him as as, um, ready as possible, you know, considering how strong of a hit that was. But um, I think um, I like his touch, especially on the long ball and uh, a little bit better, than um jones and i also think that he's a little bit more of a running threat even with the injury um now if they if he's kind of sidelined to where they're gonna they they clearly shut off his running in the second half of the clemson game but you know i would like to think he still has the opportunity to run and i consider him a little bit better in the running game you know um over mac jones so I don't know what's your thing. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I would I would agree. I think Mac Jones has really had a a surprising season. I think earlier or one of our earlier podcasts, you know, I was kind of poking fun at Mac Jones, but you know he's putting up numbers and efficiencies that are similar to what Joe Burrow did last year, and I think there's got to be some praise to that. Um, I think where Mac Jones might be undervalued is his pocket presence. I mean, he's not a running threat like Justin Fields is, but he's able to. Um, make plays in the pocket to escape some of the pressure. And I think when you're looking at teams that have played against Alabama this year, Mac Jones has done a really good job of avoiding those pressures. Um, And and, and he has a great offensive line. I think they, they just won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line unit in the country. Now, where I do see a disadvantage for Mac Jones is a lot of his passing yards has come within... 10 to 20 yards down the field. They're not really deep passes. Um, I know you see some of the highlight plays that you have where he's throwing it deep to Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle when he was healthy, but really the majority of his passes are within really 5 to 10 yards, um, sometimes 10 to 20, and it's really the yards after catch uh, with the receivers getting in space that make his stats a little bit more inflated than they are. And I think Justin Fields has a much better deep ball than Max Jones does. Um, and we were able to see that against Clemson. Plus, added the fact that his threat to run keeps a defense honest. I think, um, you know, if one of the advantages for Ohio State, what they have to do is put pressure on Mac Jones. And I'll, I'll go into this because I, uh, I don't want to spoil it too much. But I, I really think that Mac Jones is a solid quarterback. But Justin Fields showed me he was the better athlete and quarterback. In um, the Fiesta Bowl, so I'm going to give Ohio State a slight edge, um, just because I think Fields has a little bit more intangibles than Mac Jones does.
1: So I think we're giving the edge to Ohio State then in, in yeah. quarterback position. Yeah. So do you, where do you go to next? The rushing, running maybe? back. Yeah.
0: So running yeah. back. So I I will start here. Um, I think Trey Sermon has been on a hot kick. And I I don't think that should be underappreciated, especially, you know, he's the big reason why we won the Big Ten championship game after the passing tack for Ohio State was pretty much non-existent. I mean, whatever cover four advantage that Northwestern did to stop the receiving game worked. Um, however, I I really think Najee Harris is is the best running back in this in this football matchup. He's definitely more acrobatic. He's more athletic. I mean, I think when you're comparing. The, the quickest way to evaluate it is looking at the hurdles. Both both Trey Sermon and Najee Harris had hurdles in their respective semifinals games. Trey Sermon was not able to clear the defender. Najee Harris was able to clear the Notre Dame tackler and was able to dash it for fifty more yards and a touchdown on his. Um, I think just his his presence has been more versatile this season for Alabama um, as a pass catcher too. I think he, I I believe in my write up. And I saw he was the third-leading receiver for this team. uh, Or, sorry, fourth-leading receiver for this team, dressed right under Jalen Waddell uh, for Alabama. Um, But where his weakness lies, I think, is in pass protection. Uh, And I think – but he's definitely a more versatile back. um, And I think the offense of Alabama really relies on his success.
1: Yeah, I I can agree with that. I do feel – I would give the edge uh, probably – to Harris over Trey Sermon partly because he has just been doing it longer mm-hmm. you know this season i think that you know Trey i don't know if it, i mean he had you know a certain degree of success at Oklahoma too but um, i think that um, this year for whatever reason it took him several games and again it gets back into the thing i was talking about earlier you know you know if he would have had this same pattern it would have been midway through the season and he would have been, you know, accelerating like this, and perhaps, right. you know, really, you know, had a you know, maybe had a two thousand yard rushing season or something. Who knows? But I think that um, I, I think that Ohio State's offense relies more on the threat of a rushing quarterback, which I think helps, you know, the RPO game, and I think it, um, you know, kind of opens that quite frankly it opens up the running game for them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But so from a from a talent perspective, I think um, and that's not just because of his hurdling, but I think Harris I would give the edge to, again, because he's just done it longer this season than you know, Trey's really just come on the last few few weeks, which as Ohio State fans we're excited that he came on. You know, mm. so you know, don't discredit that. But and I think that though where I might consider Ohio State possibly, you know more level with Alabama though is they do have that balance of the rushing attack though and I don't know I know that um Master Teague was out for I believe it like the concussion protocol so I don't know what his condition's going to be coming into this game like you said he's he didn't seem to have that um edge or that that uh, that ability to you know grind out the yards like you know um Trey Sermon has the last couple of weeks but he's still a good runner and a very solid runner, and has had good, a good season, you know, for Ohio State this year. So I, you know, individually I give it to Harris, but I think maybe as a as a collective group, um, pro- only and probably maybe because you know we can get much more yardage threat out of Justin Fields as they're going to get out of Mac Jones. You know, as a as an overall group, you know, the running game. You know, I might keep have it a little bit more even, Um, but as an overall, you know, when you're looking at the individual performers, it definitely Harris is the 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 running back um, elite on the field. You know, Monday night.
0: Yeah. Uh, So next position group is wide receiver. Um, Where do you see the advantage for that, or how would you break that down? Um,
1: well, first of all, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily believe some of the rumors that have been going around that the Waddle will be in this year, in this week. Um, I don't know if you have any information that that uh, further substantiates that, but uh, I think that uh, I think that even if he does play, we know he probably won't be a hundred percent, and we also know that uh, timing is an important thing in that in that receiving quarterback kind of role and uh, and i don't know how well that will be working for them you know with him being out as long as he was he's clearly a, a quality receiver i mean going into this season he was probably their their uh their heisman candidate you know player and you know his backup is ultimately and ended up winning it so that's how good Waddle is so um, you know he's better than the guy that won the heisman so let's put it that way but um of that I think what I've seen and I've seen uh, you know probably about a half a dozen games um, from uh, Alabama this year I agree with you in that um, that it's going to be the difference for the receiving might be the yard after catch because I think they're getting a lot of that you know they're hitting a guy in space it seems like with their patterns and the guy is running you know for you know maybe doubling the length of the pass, uh, you know, a- after the catch. And I don't I think that uh, Ohio State defense will be prepared for that. They may give up as many receptions and they'll probably give up, you know, a lot of passing yardage, but um, I don't know that they'll give as much of the yak away that some of the other opponents have for Ohio State uh, for Alabama. Uh, so uh, for, so for globally, you know, obviously Devontae Smith is the is the big name there, and and Harris is going to catch you know passes out of the backfield, whether it's the short you know the pass in the flat or uh, the screen pass. You know, either way he's going to he's going to be a play a factor in that. Although Ohio State seemed to stop you know um, ETN on that as well, you know you know in the game last in the Sugar Bowl, so maybe they'll have a plan for Harris as well. So, but. But I think the, the combination of Wilson and Olave for Ohio State um, probably is better than um, what Alabama has minus Waddle. If Waddle comes in, that might change a little bit. But, um, because I think with Olave and Wilson, we've got two very solid you know, high-level receivers and then a bunch of other guys that can really make plays. I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's been some really good catches by a lot of other players this year. Um, so they'll probably get sprayed in. Typically we have six, seven, eight receivers that are catching balls, um, but I think that um, I think our receiving team, and the you because know, we were kind of giving Justin Field a nod too, and the, the receiver and quarterback kind of goes hand in hand, I think the receiving team for Ohio State, I would give the slight edge too.
0: I would agree. I think there's definitely more depth with the Ohio State receiving core, um, especially when you're looking at if it's top two versus top two and Waddle was in there. I'd even say it would be more of a push. But I know Devontae Smith won the Heisman and, you know, well-deservingly so. However, I do think Olave and Garrett Wilson are better than the combination of Devontae Smith and John Meachie III, um, who is the second uh, second leading receiver for Alabama. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. Then you, when you include the depth of the receivers behind them with a bunch of four- and five-star freshmen, essentially... I mean, there is talent there, and they were able to uh, make some catches and make some plays uh, against Clemson. And I I think we're going to need to rely on them and then the tight ends as well. I think, you know, we were able to see the tight ends emerge, and they essentially accounted for half of the receiving touchdowns uh, against Clemson in that game after being quiet for, like, the second half of the season. So, you know, when you consider that relationship, like you said, with quarterback and wide receiver – I know Mac Jones and Devontae Smith are, uh, you know, big fans of each other. But at the same time, I think I would give this edge to Ohio State uh, because of that depth.
1: Yeah, and 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 as as do I, and and I think you made up a really really good point that I didn't touch on, and that's you know the thing I've been wanting them to use the tight ends more this year, but that came out in the in the game against Clemson. So hopefully they continue to find success in that and not have to feel like they use them just to be glorified blockers.
0: Yeah. And then because of that, because um, I'll, I'll just touch on that too, I give Ohio State the edge there at wide receiver, and I also give the edge at tight end. Um, I think that Alabama's been using the tight end to a degree uh, with their passing attack. However, it's Devontae Smith who has over 100 catches for the season, and the next closest has around 60. So it's not even it's not even competition about who's getting the ball. Um, 47. What's that?
1: Second highest,
0: has 47. 47, yeah. So, I mean, not even that. So, I mean, it's, you know who's getting the ball, and no defense has been able to stop them. And I think we're we're running into a situation where, uh, like 2014, again, going with those parallels, Ohio State is going against their version of Amari Cooper. Cooper. Cooper was held under 100 yards receiving, still got nine catches and two touchdowns. Uh, but for the most part, the Buckeye secondary was able to keep him in check.
1: Yeah, and and um, I think even going back further, uh, you may not you were there, but uh, may not remember uh, the the catches that we that Miami was getting out of their tight end, who was just cleaning up. But you know, it was like basically he got his touches, but then nobody else was a threat. You know, nobody else got it. So, yeah, I have a feeling. You know, Devontae Smith, you might say he's gonna get some yardage. You know, he might get a touchdown or two even. But if we hold him to that, I think everybody else is gonna be in check. So I think Ohio State has a great chance, you know, from that
0: perspective. Yep. And that goes down to the old line here. Um I, I think even though Alabama's offensive line won the uh, the offensive line of the year award, I really think Ohio State's offensive line is is probably the best in the playoff. Um, maybe I, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and I bet you that information is up in the in the locker room right now at Ohio State too.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: the offensive line have been hearing about that all week.
0: Yeah, uh, and especially I mean when you're looking at the tackle position for Ohio State, they have not really given up any sacks or any pressure uh, on Justin Fields. It's really been the interior line, and and I really think I mean you know Harry Miller, he's a great player. But I didn't see any drop-off with Matthew Jones there when he was in. And then when Paris Johnson Jr. came in to replace him, Matthew Matthew Jones got hurt. I mean, he just pancaked a guy. I mean, this is a five-star freshman pancaking a five-year you know senior for Clemson on the defensive line. And just it just tells you what type of monsters they have there at the offensive line. And I don't think they get enough credit because I don't think um, they played enough games to get that attention. I, I think when you're looking at these national awards that are going on tonight... You know Alabama is getting all the hardware, and I'm sure Ryan Day is making sure that the Buckeye team watches this, um, because this is an extra motivational factor for them to let them be the underdog, con- continuing to fuel that.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that um, they will use that properly for fuel, and I also think that uh, again, and this is I'm not going to say it, it's bad that Ohio State and unfair that they only played, you know, seven games so far, but I think that. You know, only seven games versus, you know, 11, 12, 13 games, whatever Alabama has played right now, you know, that is partly where those players maybe deserve some of those awards over, you know, that maybe their offensive line, you know, did it for more games. So, um, so they're they're not undeserving of those, but I guarantee you the coaching staff at Ohio State is going to be able to slant it in a way that'll help motivate and allow the players to focus on the task at hand come Monday night.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, real quickly, I know we're going long here, so I apologize. These, these are pretty in-depth conversations, but, um, just real quick on the defensive side, I'll just kind of group them. I had them broken down. Uh, I think if the rumors are true about Togi and Tyreek Smith, you know, that does create some concern for the high state defensive line, but I think they probably have again, the best defensive line. I think this is going to be a game, uh, that is fought in the trenches and I think defensive line-wise and even linebacker-wise, I think Ohio State definitely has uh, the edge there. Where I see the liability is with cornerbacks. Um, I think Alabama has the better cornerbacks. obviously with Nick Saban being a secondary coach. You know he trains those guys up well, even if he's not always one-on-one with them or hands-on. You know that's a, uh, a, a position that he takes with great pride. So I, I would say of the defensive side, High state has advantage in two of the position battles um, with the weakness obviously being at cornerback, but these two teams have both given up a lot of passing yards this season. So it's really going to be to me who is able to make the most stops.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I'll, and I'll agree with what you're saying with that. Uh, Although um, as far as the secondary, it goes, I've, you know, again, in the games I've watched Alabama play, I mean, they gave up 48 points to Ole Miss, you know, and they're only winning that game because they're scoring 63. So they gave up 46 points to Florida. So I think that, you know, they are definitely, um, you know, vulnerable in that secondary. So if given the time, um, so whether it's a combination of Ohio State's successful running game Opening up the passing, you know, the deep ball, or if it's the idea that um, our route running, you know, from Wilson and Alave, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, if that allows them to get open, you know, I think Ohio State can expose that secondary. I think that's where they need—they're—they're they're going to
0: attack is the secondary. Okay. I don't think you're gonna—you're gonna have balls over the middle as much. Would would you say that's your matchup? Like, if we're if we're going to pick a key matchup, do you think is going to be the difference in the game? Do you think that would be it, or what would you say would be your key matchup to watch for?
1: Oh no, I, I yeah, I agree. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't thinking of it like that, but yeah. To me, I mean, we keep paralleling this to the two thousand fourteen season. To me, I really thought that our long ball in two thousand four fourteen struggled until. Cardell Jones came in, and the, his ability, his touch on his long balls in that Wisconsin game, he was just throwing it down that field, and those guys were just going up and getting it. And as soon as that started working, all of a sudden you could see Zeke cracking off those 30, 40, 50-yard runs. And I think if we can, you know, you talk about that matchup, you know, if, if our receivers, and maybe even tight ends, we had some tight ends catching some long balls, you know, against Clemson there, you know, the, the mid-range balls, maybe 20, 30 yards. But, you know, if we can get that open, I think Trey Sermon is going to have a big game, too.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Trey Sermon, I mean, he's, he's getting close to Zeke-level territory to where if, you're, if you think that um, the, the passing game is going to open up the running lanes for him, I mean, right now, if you're looking at just a three-game stretch, which Zeke is famous for, um, he had 696 yards in those three games, Big Ten Championship game, semifinal game against Alabama, and then Championship game against Oregon. Right now, Trey Sermon has 524, uh, which is the most of any Buckeye in a two-game stretch. So you think about the storied history of the Buckeye offense and running backs, I mean, he has the most in any two-game stretch there. Um, And if he's able to hit 172 yards or more, which he just hit 193 against Clemson, he would have more yards than Ezekiel Elliott uh, did in that famous 2014 run. And I think if Sermon does hit 172 or more, Buckeyes should be feeling really good about their chances uh, to win and beat uh, Alabama.
1: I I think that's an excellent uh, stat to bring up. Uh, I think a great job with that, Josh. And I agree with you. I think, I think that if they have, you know, a lot of times if you have a running back getting 170 yards, you're going to be, you know, a good chance to win. But I think that's really going to be a telltale thing for, for this game. And, uh, and Alabama can strike fast too. They've, they, I think they pretty much, you know, were bam-bam on their scoring in the, in the, against the Notre Dame in the playoff game. And, um, you know, I think they, to some degree, coasted in the second half. I don't think they were really showing too much afterwards because they knew they had the game in hand. But, um, you, know, you know, that's a team that can really score fast, and we have the ability, i have say it has the ability, to kind of give um, maybe that methodical drive a chance. And if we have a couple of those and keep the, you know, Mac Jones and company off the field, you know, that's, I think that's going to be another factor and in, in ability to be successful here. And you, and the defense makes a couple stops. And that's really what made the separation in the Clemson game. You I mean, they were kind of even at first, you know, when you look at kind of like the first quarter, but high stake, you know, was making a couple defensive stops and they were still scoring. So, you know, all of a sudden the game's out of hand.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a key strategy here, what you're saying with. Um, the offensive line being able to sustain long drives, and we were able to see Ohio State do that against Northwestern, and we are also able to see that in their game against Clemson. When you're looking at Trevor Lawrence and their offense, who is probably one of the more explosive in the country, you know, right next to Alabama, we held on to the ball nine more minutes than Clemson was able to, and I think that's a big key because of what our offensive line was able to do. And then when Clemson fell behind, they had that pressure on them to try to quickly strike and when they couldn't and they had i think about four four or four three and outs in the game i mean that was key and i think that's what ohio state's defensive line is going to need to do um for alabama because mac jones like i said earlier he really hasn't been pressured in the pocket i mean if he holds holds on to the ball for four seconds or longer there's a good chance he's going to get a hand on him with our ends with either cooper or again, if Tyreek Smith is there, if not, Zach Harrison, who should be available for this game. Um, and then our insides, like I said, Togiai or Caskell Garrett, or even Friday, who, who should be coming back. I mean, there's just so much um, depth there and range there. And I think if our defensive line is able to pressure and rattle Mac Jones, I think we're going to have a really good chance of slowing down Alabama's offense. Um, and I think that will be the key edge in our, our victory, because I think we can match up with them in points.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think it's going to be, you know, fun to watch. I think it's going to be a game that, you know, with all the things that have happened this year, quite honestly, I think the college football fan, too, is going to, you know, accept this as, like, maybe the best opportunity, you know, to have a great end to the season. In fact, I'm if I were making a bold prediction, I would say that this, um, the broadcast for this is probably going to set a record.
0: Yeah. I mean, numbers have been down because of COVID, unfortunately. Um, It's going to be hard to match what they did in the first year. But I agree. I think you're really going to see a spike in probably the two biggest viewer fan bases in the country. I mean, when you look at any viewership of any matchup this season or even season four, Birmingham, Alabama, and Columbus, Ohio are the two biggest um, viewer ratings. So people will be glued for sure. Yep. Um, Including me what's that including me including me yes including
1: us so what's your prediction then josh
0: yeah so i it's you know going back and forth and just kind of hearing um the things that are coming out of both camps for ohio state and alabama obviously there's some probably smoke and mirrors that are happening i think alabama feels confident with what they have and are trying to create a manufactured edge against ohio state um, I think they feel like they are the better team, which, deservingly so. Um, you know they've been on this stage before, they've had the experience before, and they've got a legend that's coaching them. So you, he knows how to motivate his team, and the fact that they could have a chance to win the title I think is motivation enough. But I think they need more. Um, and Ohio State really is embracing that underdog role. I think I think uh, Ryan Day has been studying Alabama longer than just these 10 days between the two matchups. I think he's been preparing for them for years. I think any coach uh, who wants to have success at this level has been either mirroring or at least watching what Alabama has been doing uh, because they've been the top dog really for uh, really the last 10, 12 years. So I I really think that this is going to be an entertaining matchup. I think, Uh, Again, the key is going to be see what happens in the trenches between the offensive line and defensive line for both sides. But I do think Ohio State will have the the advantage on that. I think that's going to be the biggest difference in with their balanced offense, which you alluded to earlier. I think that's really going to unsettle Alabama's defense to have to attack and defend both the run and the pass, which they're used to having to um, really kind of stop the passing attack and have been unsuccessful. And I think even with not 100% Justin Fields, I see the Ohio State team uh, really being able to attack the secondary for Alabama. Um, and I, I think that Ohio State's going to win this game to continue that mirror of the 2014 season, winning 42 to
1: 35. Okay, I, um, I agree that Ohio State um, has the, the, the edge to, to win the game. I think that I'm expecting just a slightly. My prediction was 45-41 Ohio State. Uh, And again, uh, I think both of us, you know, our scores are indicative of the idea that as as good as the defenses are and as filled as they are with those five-star athletes, um, I think ultimately the offenses are going to outplay, you know, the defenses enough to make this a higher scoring game. I don't know that it's going to be a track meet, but we'll see. I mean, we'll find out. But I do think that Ohio State will play this one probably as similar to the Clemson game. I think that they tend to kind of feel out. They come in with that defensive game plan, but they kind of feel out the team, you know, after the first couple of drives and then, you know, kind of make adjustments and shut down. I think they've done a really good job making those adjustments. And uh, I think that, you know, I think that if they can, so to speak, keep pace, I think it's going to stay fairly close the entire game i think it tore in the fourth quarter i think they're going to have a little bit of a breakaway and, and put a little score separation on it and um and i think clemson's going to score one you know late you know to bring it to the 45 41 and then but won't have enough time to to get a, another score so i think that's what's going to happen and if um hopefully if both of us are right on that then um We're going to be seeing them uh, raising that uh, national championship trophy once again and enjoying that for all Ohio State fans to see. And um, I know that the way that we can probably guarantee the victory is if we get the bear to to bet against us. So we'll see how that works.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, um, I, I think we covered a lot here today. I think we're all really excited, and I think that's why we were able to talk so much about you know, everything that's been happening, especially with the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. A great game. Um, you know, I'll be watching it at home with the ticket prices being what they are. But, you know, hopefully the next time we speak, we'll be speaking as national champions.
1: Agreed. That sounds like a good thing. And
0: as we always like to sign off with, go Bucks. Go Bucks.